I would like all y'all to join in with us in a choir special this morning. Hymn number 300 in your black book. The glad reunion day. Love it has our special this morning. There is peace and contentment. In the Father's house today Lots of food on His table And no one is turned away There is singing and laughter As the hours pass by But a hush Calms the singing as the Father sadly cries. My house is full, but my field is empty. Who will go and work for me today? My children all want to stay around the table, but no one. 
worshiping the Lord as we look to His Word and see what His Word says. Uh, I want to take a quick note and just say a thanks again to our VBS director, uh, Ms. Joy Johnson, and uh, help leading the way. It's all teamwork. It takes teamwork to make this. She cannot do it alone. No, nobody can. Uh, later on, there will be a VBS meeting, and they'll brainstorm and maybe try to tweak uh, all the ins and outs of that. Also, uh, something that you and I need to remember, and, uh, and that is uh, remember as these uh, young people follow the Lord in baptism, to encourage them, to lift them up, to mentor them, and uh, I guarantee you that uh, they'll grow in the Lord. Also, another quick uh, note before we begin reading the Word, uh, and that is uh, just, uh, again, uh, pray for the Mitchells. They have a, a, a container heading out. Everything's taken care of. Of course, that's another thing we're involved with. It's all taken care of through Calvary as the sponsor of that work. It's a great thing. Uh, they still need more uh, regular supporting churches each month, 
And I have one pressing need, and that is a, uh, a, a buggy or a cart kind of thing to get around on the island, a small, kind of like a, a gator or something like that they're after. And it may be smaller, I may be overshooting what he's after, but uh, so for them to get around on the island. And uh, so they need just about $1,000 more for that project to be knocked out. So uh, keep that on your back burner, especially our missionary committee. All right, Matthew chapter 5. And uh, let's stand for the reading of God's holy word this morning. And we will read just verse 13. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt... Have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Let's pray, Father, help us to be salt and light as we pursue you in living a life of excellence, especially. In the world today, bless our nation, bless our church, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's holy word. And yes, we are pursuing a life of excellence. It's, it's a life of excellence. The Sermon on the Mount is the greatest concise summary of how a church member should live. How you and I, as born-again baptized believers, how should we live? What does God expect? You know, there's nothing more confusing than to be hired at a, at a company, a mill, and they don't give you clear instructions. What's your job? What is your job description? What is your purpose of your position? What does the boss want you to do? And I guarantee, well, Jesus Christ founded the very first church. And He's the one that paid our sin debt. He's the one that allows us to get to heaven. His grace, His mercy, His sacrifice, His love is the reason that you and I get to go. So what does the boss want us to do? What does the great shepherd of our souls want us to do? This is a great summary of here. And He says... That he wants us to be salt. Now, we'll get to light in just a second. But let's just camp out there. Salt's very necessary. There's a lot of things about salt and light and living this life of excellence. You are definitely called to be salt. We're definitely called to be salt. Matter of fact, I put in the outline, I think I've also up on the screen. I just wanted to talk about this week was handed down. I believe it was Tuesday. might have been Wednesday. The recent Supreme Court decisions, the Proposition 8 out in California was ruled on. And also DOMA, as uh, news reporters often call it, it was the Defense of Marriage Act, which was signed in law, and I think, as a matter of fact, there for you, September 21st, 1996. All right. How or why should I even bring this up? Well, number one, that's really part of us being salt. Because you and I, as born-again believers, as Christians, and when I say a Christian, it just simply means what? That you're saved and you're following Jesus Christ. And as a saved, born-again follower of Jesus Christ, the he says, he says, you're to be salt. 
And now what does that mean? Now it means, and we'll get, let's just stay here for just a second, that we're supposed to stand for His Word. We're supposed to be a preservative for what? For truth and for families and moral decay. You know, whenever they ruled on that, uh, on that salt and ruled on that, uh, ruled on the salt, ruled on the, uh, uh, decisions that the Supreme Court made. The Proposition 8, basically it said this, is that uh, the ones who brought it before the Supreme Court didn't have a leg to stand on. And uh, so it went back to what and went back to what the Supreme Court of California said, which is very interesting. That the Supreme Court, they voted, as a matter of fact, Miss Gloria and I, and she lived many years out in California. She and I have had several conversations about this in the church that she was involved in out in San Diego and how that they did many rallies and stuff trying to get people to go vote uh, for this. Because if you voted for Proposition 8, you're voting to preserve the family according to God's standards that marriage is between one man and one woman. Now, eventually what's going to happen, just me preaching what I'm preaching this morning, Eventually, I guarantee you, is that uh, I'm going to be thrown in jail, okay? And uh, But I'm just going to preach it, you know. Daniel was there. Paul was there. Jesus got arrested, and he died for standing for the truth, for doing what was right. But nevertheless, so it went back to what the Supreme Court, and I don't know how many people are on the Supreme Court in the state of California, but they ruled that that was an unconstitutional amendment. And uh, it's interesting I don't know how many votes were cast, but I think it's about 70 million. So 70 million people voted to preserve the family. And nine guys, assuming that's how many is on that Supreme Court, maybe seven, said, no, you're wrong. So basically, if I'm understanding that right, then seven people is ruling 70 million saying you can't decide your future or your fate. And so that to me, last time I looked, that's called communism, okay, or dictatorship, or ever what word would be most apt to describe that. And, uh, but so nine people said, y'all can, and they voted twice. They made it law first. That didn't work out. That got struck down. So they made it a constitutional amendment and that got struck down and that didn't work out. And, uh, but nevertheless, and then DOMA basically is this, is that they, the government, and why I speak on this, because we're, we're called to be sought. If you don't know the issues that our country's facing, most of the time immorality is passed because good men do nothing. Immorality is passed because good people do nothing. Okay? Now, so DOMA, Defense of Marriage Act, was passed in 1996 so that the federal government would not have to recognize or give benefits to same-sex unions. Basically, only recognize because that would completely, irrevocably turn a new opening to our country. And so basically the IRS says married filing jointly is only between one man and one woman. Death benefits are only between normal, regular marriages. That uh, that military benefits and Social Security benefits and all these other benefits recognized by the government could only be given to spouses of one man and one woman. But now it's not. In every state that it's recognized, and I believe the number is 12 states and plus the District of Columbia, that uh, now those states that recognize homosexual, not just unions, but homosexual marriages. Now, why should Christians even take a stand that they would uh, have to be recognized now? 
by the federal government, that they'll be extended death benefits, tax benefits, military benefits, Social Security benefits, all these benefits are now not just for spouses of one man and one woman, but also man and man and woman and woman. And uh, so that's for, that's for, why is this happening? Well, you say, well, the Bible says this is going to happen. We just need to roll over and let it all happen. Uh, I don't see that in, in the Bible anywhere, that we should roll over and just let it happen. Matter of fact, that would actually be going against God's Word, to be in salt and light. That would be, that's what we're called to be, to be salt. And why did Jesus use that element? Now, two things that they were very, uh, very easy to understand. Salt is necessary for life. Salt is needed. It's needed as a preservative. You'll die without salt. You've got to have it. In Jesus' day, there was a storage uh, kind of thing. And, and so we'll just talk about being a preservative to preserve the truth and to prevent decay of morals and families. He's saying, you need to stand for God's holy word. You need to stand for uh, uh, that uh, it... That truth would be prevailed that there is such thing as morals, that it's wrong to, to have uh, sex outside of marriage. It's that people should be married. It's wrong to, uh, that adultery is wrong, that abortion is wrong, that homosexuality is wrong. These things you say, well, my goodness, aren't we just supposed to love one another? Well, you know, then if you just say, well, love one another, then you say, well, just say, you know, it's kind of like somebody says, well, I was born to love the same sex. Well, what if I was born to kill people? <laughs> Does that make it right? You cannot use that as your logic in order to arrive at that conclusion. You know, you could be born to do all kinds of things and say, God made me this way. That doesn't make it your feeling. That doesn't make it right. I was born to sin. That doesn't make it right. I was born to slaughter. That doesn't make it right. I was born to, to, to take children and do unmentionable things. That doesn't make it right. And so just claiming that as your logic cannot fly. And, but, and above all of just logic, besides that, God designed logic. He designed that logic is right. Logic is real. You say, logic's logic and God's Word supersedes that. No, God created logic. He designed two plus two always equals four. And so God's Word is based upon logic and reasoning and love. But love, matter of fact, Jesus said, I love you, woman that was caught in adultery. Go and sin no more. That's what He said. And so that's standing for truth. Yes, loving and forgiving, but saying this is right and this is wrong. There's nothing wrong with saying that. I remember growing up, and only those in the... (laughs) Uh, probably the late, in their, if they're in your, if you're in your forties and up, probably remember this illustration, but I'll never forget watching this sitcom called Happy Days, and how that the star of the show was named Fonzie, and he could not say to Mrs. C, or Mr. C, that was Cunningham, I was wrong. I could not, he couldn't get those words because it wasn't cool to say that I was wrong and, and folks to say, I was, that this is right and this is wrong. This is wrong action. This is wrong morals. And we need to stand for these things. Nothing wrong with saying those things. Salt also creates a thirst. Without salt, one will die in the Bible. When it consumes, we should create a thirst for God's Word. Being salt means we 
we stand for truth, we're preservative, we stand for what's right. Head over to John chapter 4 and verse 12 just to see what Jesus said about this thirst. So, being salt means I'm standing for truth, which means I stand for Jesus. And if you are salt, what you're doing is creating a thirst in some. Well, if you live that away, if you live that away, well then, is my life really wrong? If you live that away, is there hope beyond this life? Can I get to heaven by just being good? Well, the Bible says no. You cannot get to heaven by being good. In John chapter 4, verse 12, Art thou greater than our father Jacob? Which, this is the woman at the well, and she's talking to Jesus, and Jesus is talking to her. And she said, Hey, what about this well here? Uh, he drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle. Jesus answered and said unto her, in verse 13, Whosoever drinketh of this water, and when he said that, he was pointing at a well. And he said, you know, you can drink of that water. But if you drink out of this well, you're going to get thirsty again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into part-time life. No, it doesn't say that, does it? Everlasting life. That's how long when you get saved that you're saved and you know Jesus as your Savior. How many of you share that water with others? So thirst is good. But there's something else that Jesus said in our text. He said, if the salt, and different versions read different ways. The King James Version says, but if the salt has lost its savor lost its flavor. If a salt has lost its saltiness... Now, in Jesus' day, sometimes they would take chunks of salt. They'd just store it on the floor. Or it may be in another place, but and you get down the bottom, well, eh, you're kind of getting down there where it's sitting on the dirt. And it's, uh, or salt doesn't... I mean, you can uh, look at science. Salt doesn't break down. It's a very stable compound. Sodium chloride, NaCl, for those chemists out here. Well, guess what? And looking at this, is salt the only way it can go bad? You can store it in a shelf forever. It doesn't break down by itself, but you know what it becomes? And us as Christians, us as Christians, you know what happens to our churches? When we get watered down, when we break down, whenever, I mean, get contaminated. When we, and if the salt has lost its saltiness, when you get, when you let other things in, you start losing your effectiveness. When you let worldliness in, when you let immorality in, when you start compromising, when you say, well, well, we can let this slide or we can let that slide based upon God's Word. I'm not talking about your preferences or this or that or your opinions, but when we start giving in on God's Word and time with God and prayer with God and reading His Word and, and we we don't st- because we won't speak up. And again, when good people do nothing, our churches and our country are headed downhill. They're headed away from God. Salt has lost its savor. Salt has lost its, 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 its effectiveness. And also, the last thing here, salt must have contact to have an influence. 
And you say, well, I'm salty, preacher. I'm a salty old dog. I'm salty. I'm salty for the Lord. But if you sit on your pew and do nothing and never tell anybody, you're good for nothing. It says that. It says, so salt that sits on a shaker or shelf is worthless. These I, I love string beans. But without salt... Got to have salt. Or if you ever want to do one better than that, Tony Sacherets. Oh, yeah. Yes, I love salt. Love salt and pepper. Eggs. I love eggs. Eggs without any salt. Or if you want to do better than that, put salsa on them. Yeah. But guess what salsa has in it? Salt. <laughs> you must apply the salt for it to work. It can't sit in the container and work. If we are to be salt and light, we must come in contact with lost people. It's okay to bring lost people to church. It's okay. I don't care if somebody is uh, geared toward homosexuality or geared toward alcoholism or geared toward cussing kindergartners up one side down the other they need jesus they need the lord bring them to church they need and really that's that's where you say well you know a lot of times people say that about countries they say well once a country decides this there's no turning back we cannot reverse these supreme court decisions well i guarantee you some of these people start getting saved Things will start changing. When there's nobody practicing the sin, there's, well, guess what? There won't be any need for that law anymore. Nobody's practicing the sin. They just need to be saved. The Supreme Court justice or whomever, president, they all need to be saved. Pray for them. You may laugh at that, but there's, what's wrong with praying for the president to get saved? Nothing wrong with it whatsoever. Pray for everybody, the people that are running around doing wrong, just pray. Well, they need to be saved. They need Jesus in their heart. Moving on, verse 14, the Bible says that you are the light of the world. It says in verse 14, you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Folks, we need to let our light shine. And by letting our light shine, people may think that that means, uh, well, that, what that means is, is people need to see what a good Christian I am. Man, just look at me. I'm a good Christian. Man, I model it. I model it for everybody to see at work. Well, I don't, you know, I, don't, I hope that's, that's the case. But if people are just looking at the way you're living your life and saying, well, man, they are good people. They are really good people. Did you know that actually just by living a good life before others, you could literally send them to hell just by... But what if they say, you know what? Oh, so-and-so, oh, oh, Steve Collins, I've seen him. He's a good guy. He helps people. He's kind to people. And he's a Christian. That must mean that all I have to do to go to heaven is help people and be kind to people. Oh, did you see what I mean? That's all they see. 
But if they see that and hear him say, well, you do need to pray and ask Jesus Christ into your heart. See, that's, that's shining your light. You're shining just partial light if you're saying be good. Because, oh, that's all i got to do to be to heaven. Well, that'd be wrong, wouldn't it? So if you then tell them, if they see your good... Matter of fact, we're going to get to that in just a second. But if they see your light, then they hear it, and it matches up. But some people say, well, you know, I invite you to... Hey, I'd love to have you come to Promised Land Missionary Baptist Church. And they say, well, I know who goes there. And I'm living a much better life than they are. Therefore, I'm not coming to Promised Land Missionary Baptist Church. Because you've got so-and-so out there. And you've got this one out out there and yes they can aim at all that but and seeing that that's an excuse but folks when our walk matches our talk it's a whole lot more effective and that's what he's saying here be a light back over in John again in John chapter 9 and verse 5 Jesus said here now He said, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. You know what that means? He knew he was leaving. He said, I'm only going to be here a little while. Then the Comforter, that means the Holy Spirit, would come. Light dispels darkness. Light brings hope. And if you're lost or backslidden, according to John also, light does not good. I pick at some people in my in our uh, in our house. Uh, when I go through the house, I'm always flipping lights on. If I want to walk down the hallway and flipping, my wife comes right behind me. She's flipping them off. I say, I'm paying the bill. I can turn these lights on. I got this. You know, I want the light. No, you save money. I said, and I look at her when she's cutting the lights off. I said, you do know the Bible says men love darkness and right light because their deeds are evil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm pointing at her. And because that's what it says right here in John chapter 3. Look at verse 19 and 20. In John chapter 3, what, what did Jesus say here? And this is the condemnation or judgment that light has come into the world, talking about himself, and then men love darkness rather than light because why? That verse I quoted. Because their deeds are evil. Then verse 20. For everyone that doth evil hates light. Neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. I've even, you know, and I've shared this story before and it literally happened. One time in church, uh, somebody uh, and I had a, a disagreement, and I said, well, the Bible says such and such. And they said, well, I don't care what the Bible says. And I'm like, I, I just I wanted a little separation distance between me and them. That's just not a good statement to say, especially in church. And But do you see, the, the Bible is light because it's the Word in flesh. Jesus was the Word in in flesh. He said, light has come into the world and light shines in darkness, which is more powerful. Well, of course, light, because all darkness is, is what? The absence of light. And guess what you are called to be? Light. 
And yes, yes, you could say, well, I'm just supposed to reflect Jesus. Yes, that's right. Just like the moon reflects the sun. And man, we had a bright moon the other day when it's full coming over and it's just come right over that cemetery. And great, and it's bright and shining. That's awesome. It's great to go fishing when the moon's shining like that. I love nighttime fishing and all that stuff. And all, But all that moon is, is a big old rock. It's just a rock. But guess what it's doing? It's reflecting. And aren't you and I supposed to be reflecting Jesus? You say, I'm just a chunk of dirt. Yes, you're right. But if you're reflecting Jesus, you're pretty bright. You're pretty bright. Well, why are we hiding our light? Many times we hide our light according, and uh, we do hide our light. Back in our text, it says, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. You know, why, why are we hiding our light? It says, notice that our text says, it giveth light to all that are in our house. Many times we, we hide our light. You're saved, but do we speak of it? You're saved, but we put it under a bushel. You know, and we teach the little kids the Bible school song, hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Yeah, Maylie just grinned because she knows that song. And that's awesome. And you have a light, but how many people do you let see it? And even in our homes, it giveth light to all, what does it say? To all that are in the house. You are called to be a light. Men, be men. Be Christian men that will lead your family to the Lord and to church and to, ch- and to see their children get saved, your children get saved, to see your grandchildren get saved, to be a godly example, to be one that will be humble and, and, and saying, yes, I'll, I want to be a, a, an example to my family. I want to be a kind of man that will say my, to my wife and my kids that we're going to church on Sunday. I may have to work, but go to church. I'll be there tonight. I may have to work graveyard, but I'll see you there. I've done it before. It can be done. Folks, we are called to be a light and, let, and not hide that light by saying, well making excuses where this is more important. Most of the time we hide our light under the guise of other priorities. We should not be ashamed of our Savior. Of course, Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says to not be ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of unto of God, unto salvation to everyone believeth to the Jew first. And also to the Greek. And then that famous verse in Romans chapter 10. I was thinking of uh, some scriptures this week for our campers. Our, our theme for church camp is Scar Wars. Which is, of course, talking about the scars of Jesus. And it's a spinoff of Star Wars. And being the assistant camp director, I said I wanted to be ready for Scar Wars. So I've got me a cool, thanks to my wife, a cool lightsaber. All right? First lightsaber, that means flaming sword, for if you've never watched Star Wars. 
And uh, really cool. I said, well, you know what? I'm going to have a kid. And since we've got kids here that may be headed to church camp, I said, I'm going to think of a scripture for them to memorize, and I'm going to give this lightsaber away at the end of camp. Because it is really cool. And uh, hiding this word. And part of the scripture I was thinking about, Romans 10, 9 through 13. And it says here in verse 11, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him should what? Should not be ashamed. Have we not spoken up like we should? The last point, the purpose of being salt and light, of course, back in our text, is verse 16, which says this, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. You know, what is the purpose of being salt and light? And really the purpose is summed up here, and we'll sum it up even further as we look at this, the ultimate purpose of promised land is to be salt and light. But even summed up even further, what is the ultimate purpose of promised land? If we were to have a mission statement, if we were to have a goal, why are we here for 150 years to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ? Not a stagnant relationship. Not a one and done, well, got saved, see you later, preacher, I won't be back till my funeral. (laughs) And they're not even there. You won't, if you die, you won't be present at your funeral. You'll be in heaven or hell. We'll just be thinking about all the memories we had while you were living. You know, speaking of funerals and and eulogies and something I heard I read reading a, my devotional this morning and and part of the devotion said this no one ever built a statue for a critic think on that one a little while <laughs> somebody has negative, negative negative oh yeah we loved his negativity so much and his criticism we built a statue in honor of him no one's ever built a statue for a critic so what are we doing letting our light shine what do people see when they see us Because it says here, what does it say in this verse? What does it say? We are to let our light shine. We are to be salt. What? That if your Bible is like mine, I've got this red letter edition right here, that they may see. We're supposed to be Christians that people see. Am I lying? (laughs) I'm not lying, it's right there that people may see what? How we act, how we behave, yes. How we conduct ourselves, yes. How we live, yes. That people may see what? Your good works and your life points people to Jesus. That they may what? Glorify your Father. Which is in heaven. Does my life, does your life say, and I want to go to promised land. I want what they have. I need to be saved. Because they said, they, they live a good life, but you know what they told me the other day standing on the sidewalk? They said 
that they got saved when they was 13 years old. They prayed and asked Jesus to save them. Yes. Hey, listen. Hey, I'll be the first one to admit Every one of us make mistakes, and I make mistakes, and we mess up. But can I say, Lord, help me to be an example for others. To be salt, to be light. As we prepare for a hymn of invitation, whatever the Lord is laying upon your heart, you say, well, I won't. Maybe I haven't been salt and light like I need to be. Maybe I haven't been the example that I need to be. And you say, Lord, help me today. I want to start today speaking up. I want to start today not being ashamed of you. Your word says that I don't need to be ashamed. So just, just give me boldness. Matter of fact, Peter and John in the book of Acts, he said, we ought to obey God rather than man. Or, and they also said this, we cannot help but speak concerning our Savior. They had boldness.